You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello once again and welcome to the Ruler Tech Podcast. And uh, I am your host, Dan Cavallari, and I'm joining you all the way from uh, Colorado in the United States. And all the way across the pond, I am joined not by not just one Rulur editor today. I have two Rulur editors. I have Peter Stewart. Hey, Peter. How's it going, Dan? Nice to see you. And I have Ian Cleverly. Ian, you are a new addition to our tech podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Dan. That, that's because I know nothing about tech, but that's... <laughs> that, that's why I'm here in the room for for all those yeah. non-tech heads like me. Yeah, well, well. Th- to be fair, Ian Ian's here today because he had a very strong, strong, visceral, one might say, reaction to one of the topics uh, that we were discussing for the tech podcast, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and as we see uh, integration sort of take over road bikes in the last several years, the the integrated cockpit has become a a lightning rod of uh of of controversy uh there's there's the very supportive side that loves the integration loves the clean look loves the aerodynamics and then there's the rest of the world that's that's thinking where's my adjustability uh i'm i'm stuck with with one position so today we're going to debate it uh and conveniently we have Peter is on one end of the spectrum here. Peter is a, is a, a supporter of integrated cockpits, cockpits. And when we say that, integrated cockpits, you know, there's a lot of different variations of that. But the general idea is that the stem and handlebar are usually one piece. Um, that's not always the case. There are some two pieces, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, and all of the cables, housing, things like that run through the handlebar, through the stem, and often through the head tube of the bike. So that's that's the general definition of an integrated cockpit. Peter's into it. Uh, Ian is definitely not. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it. And at the end, dear friends who are listening, you're going to tell us who's right, Ian or Peter. But first, Peter, let's let's give your your rundown of why why do you support why do you like integrated cockpits. Well, you know, it's a love affair that began in my early teenage years when I first saw an integrated cockpit that I was totally captivated by. No, uh, I guess, to be honest, um, I've always thought they were a pretty good development. Um, Since the first time I think I had one that I thought really made a powerful difference, that was the Kenyan Air Road first generation, which was probably in like 2013. And what I noticed about that particular setup was like that kind of heavy integration was it was just much cleaner to look at. And then... 
predominantly it actually offered quite a lot more flexibility. I thought the whole thing was moving in a bit more of a tailored way. And you know what the, the Germans are like when it comes to that kind of engineering precision. They were really obsessed over making this dialed in bit of flex on the drops and stuff. And um, th then it was quite new. And it was, it, I think people sort of were initially back then like, oh, this isn't very adjustable and it's a bit jarring to look at. But I initially then was like, yeah, this is something I can see being quite a good kind of development going forward. I think that was hampered by a lot of the time people would come to the market and bikes would come out with integrated cockpits and handlebar stem combos that were just sort of a little bit awful and they were just designed the wrong way so that the flare was like behind the front of the um, kind of center point of the bar. Uh, what I mean by that, because it gets complicated here, is obviously when you've got an integrated stem uh, handlebar, often it's for aerodynamic purposes um, and so it usually has an aerofoil shape. Now, uh, you've got a choice of, if you've got a normal bar, you have quite a thin, you know, kind of one inch bar diameter and if you create that flare a lot of the brands created the flare behind so like the wing of a plane but that had that unpleasant situation that when you were sprinting often it would hit your wrist in a really horrible unpleasant way especially when you're in the middle of sprint getting excited and obviously it would actually knock you off course so it was just a horribly confusing instance where you didn't know what was happening and your wrist hurt and you kind of nearly crashed so it was um, yeah. kind of just an unpleasant <laughs> side effect and um I think brands generally sort of learned quite quickly from the user uh, experience and improved a lot. And it went in funny directions. And I think the time that I thought it had reached a really interesting apex was the Cervelo S5 in 2016. And that had a an integrated handlebar that just looked sort of insane. It looked a bit like uh, the kind of skulls of those aliens that invade in Independence Day. It was this crazy looking <laughs> kind of enormous carbon thing that extended forward from the actual um, stem bolt. So it was, it was, it was kind of, it kind of lurched forward in front of the bike. And what was interesting about that was that it just looked horrible basically. But, um, but again, I spoke to the engineer, Damon Rinard, who designed that bike, and he made the point that in all their testing, and the S5 was really a benchmark for, you know, the most aerodynamic bike you could get at one point. It, they said that the handlebar made as much, if not more difference on its own than the entire frame behind it. And that's because it's that first point of contact. So everyone obsesses over these tiny bits of grams of gain of, of you know, like, oh, there's this new aerofoil segment on the down tube or the seat tube. But it actually pales in comparison with the overall shape of the handlebar. So if you've got this expensive aerodynamic frame, but then you have a traditional bar with all these clamps and stems and stuff poking out and just that kind of sort of mess of spaces and stuff, you are giving away a lot of that aerodynamic advantage now, you know, the traditionists will say, you know, who needs aerodynamics? And it's true, you know, if you're going out for a fun ride, you don't need to have the most aerodynamic bike if it's going to cost aesthetics. But then I just say, you know, don't go buy in a really expensive, you know, aerodynamic frame if you've not also got an integrated handlebar because you're not really taking advantage of the whole thing. You're just getting an aerodynamic frame for the look of it, really. So I'd say in terms of that performance, if you are really performance oriented, trying to get those last few grams, an integrated bar stem combo is actually a necessity, I think. You really need to have that. That's that is a huge part in the overall aerodynamic system of how a bike looks and works. Um so yeah, I think in the last few years there's definitely been some developments in terms of the aero bar stem combo. And um, I think predominantly you were actually seeing sort of I think it evolve into probably a, a, a still integrated with the with the with the cables hidden, but a two piece where you have still a sort of traditional looking stem that bolts onto a handlebar that then feeds in the uh, cable into the stem. So that's just a little bit more 
uh, adjustable, so you can change it in a modular way and sort of angle the, the bars up or down, which I think is an interesting development and probably the way it will kind of end up settling into rather than, I think it is a bit constrictive, as I'm sure Ian will say, to have this just preset, yeah, one single shape that determines the, the angle, the kind of touch points, the reach and all that stuff, um, you know, off the shelf and it's going to cost you £600 to get a new one because these things always cost loads and that's before you even think of cost of getting a mechanic to re re-plug in all those little bits of cable that is always an absolute nightmare um so i think that's an interesting direction and uh, i'd actually say just to give a quick shout out the, the 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 bar that i found really interesting recently and i think i've bought in with this a few times already is the new ribble ultra bar that they've actually got rid of the um lever clamp as well and they have effectively what's sort of like a cleat on the front of the single piece um cockpit bar stem that you plug the lever onto so that means the actual end of the drops has a very unusual but more aerofoil shape and that's sort of taken it to the next level and they don't even have um, handlebar tape on that so that's even improving the drag further and they say you know improving the actual haptics and tactility of it too so i think that's really interesting i think maybe that full commitment will be interesting to see how that works and you know whether people find it comfortable and you know whether it actually i think it probably does offer quite a big advantage but you know whether it has these kind of teething problems that other bar stem combos have had or whether people say you know what actually not having the lever clamp what an amazing thing that was such a boring rubbish process like twisting a lever clamp the lever onto the bar so i think that's an interesting direction and then the final thing i'll say about the bar stem combo being a one piece is that though i think yeah you, you might say it looks a bit ugly you know it does i think obviously aesthetics is all about the, our traditional kind of sense of what looks good and bad and then things being exciting because they're new and they're better. Um, and I think definitely in terms of that traditional, they are a little bit ugly, I think, on the whole, though I think tastes are changing. But I think um, one thing that's making them more appealing, uh, I think visually and actually practically in terms of that mechanics issue of getting all these kind of levers, all these cables integrated, is the move to wireless. And I think we're now seeing that the top two group sets, uh, you know, the top group sets from Shimano and SRAM, shouldn't say top two, Campanella is still up there, <laughs> but um, uh, both have wireless options at the lever, so that wireless lever, I think, um, will lead to much simpler design, where all you have to do is feed the front brake cable hydraulic through the fork, and then the rear one to the back of the bike. So I think that's all quite exciting, it means that design-wise, we're going to have a much better, slicker nicer setup so so ian um uh, <laughs> peter peter went a step further and said not only does he support integrated cockpits but they are a necessity and i i don't know if i could visually see your your skin crawling whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh man uh, yeah Where ian, do I ian you got a lot to say here i can tell I, what's your counterpoint well i'm glad peter mentioned mechanics there because that's that's my that's my starting point with pretty much anything on a bicycle if I have to take it to a mechanic, I'm out. I mean, I get bikes arrive here occasionally for photo shoots and I take them out of the box. And if they're not like fully together, it's like, oh my God, where do I even start with that? There's cables and, and all sorts of spaces and, and crazy stuff around the headset. I don't even know what these things do. I don't even know where, where these cables are supposed to go. So I bodge it together, together as best I can and hope it looks all right and then and say to when we get to the photo shoot whatever you do do not attempt to ride this because <laughs> it, it will fall apart beneath you um decoration only yeah yeah i mean I, i'm you know i'm no accomplished mechanic by any stretch of the imagination but 
Um, bar anything involving um, a spoke key, which is where things go horribly wrong for me. Um, you know, I, I take my hats off to anyone who can use a spoke key effectively, because I sure as heck can't. Um, I will tackle anything on my bike. Now, I remember one of our, of our, our directors a few years ago, uh, when he'd, he'd, bought a, he'd bought a new frame and he was considering his group set options and he was wondering whether to go, you know, electronic. And I said, look, you know, it, it, it's your call, but when it goes wrong, you've got to take it to a bike shop. Just, just bear that in mind. Just factor that into your, your choices. Um, and I, I don't know what it's like over, over where you are at the moment, but over here, if I go to my local bike shop, they'll say, oh, yeah, sure, we can do that in four weeks' time. Because anything post-pandemic, the, 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 the workshops have gone absolutely through the roof uh, and had, have massive, massive queues. Um, there was a little bit of research this morning. I, 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 I watched a GCN video on uh, cable threading hacks. This, it just made my blood boil. How, how you, how you, you know, a 10-minute video on, on how the heck... Involving magnets. One of it involved... So get a magnet and run it across your <laughs> tube. And it's like, are you serious? Yeah. There was another one with a vacuum cleaner. I kid you not, you had a vacuum uh, attached to the, the, the hole at the, at the end of the, uh, by the headset there, um, pulling this piece of thread through. And I was just like, hang on, this, this was a 10-minute job, and now it's become this crazy nonsense... They rattled then. I mean, bear in mind, I've never had one, right? But don't isn't isn't internal cable rattling a thing? I, I, I gather a lot of people are angry about that. It can be. It can be. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, and everybody, everybody hates rattles, right? Rattles is, yeah. is the the worst. Any worst. mystery noise. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. when it's inside your frame, it's like, how the hell are you going to fix that? And then I could get, I could, well, I could get, I could get to the, the bar shape as well because I, I I've I've never used any sort of aero bars with that flat section on the top that I actually enjoyed holding, you know? It's like it's some, somewhere to rest your palms, but other than that, you know, and, and I like riding on the tops, but I like a round bar. And as for the aero savings, it's like, who does that actually, who does that actually affect? How many of us really care about that? There's a couple points there, right? So it's, it's uh, the lack of adjustability, the lack of being able to just tilt those bars backwards so that the flats offer a better position for you, right? Um, the complication of it all um, and, and, and potential noise and having to take it to a mechanic, the com basically the complication of it. Yeah. It's supposed to be a simpler aesthetic, but it's not a simpler uh, overall package and there's also the, the the whole sort of slammed stem thing which everybody gets a bit sort of anal about it's like you know it, if if it, you see so many people just like what are you doing down there just like just just <laughs> just sit up hello down there a bit come up for air yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've got a point and we've got a counterpoint uh, Peter is all about those aerodynamics, the, the clean look, the, the, the benefits of, of tucking everything away, and the added simplicity with wireless drivetrains sort of becoming the norm. Uh, Ian uh, does not like taking his bike to the mechanic, uh, does not want to deal with uh, being pigeonholed into one position, uh, the, the one bar shape, uh, and, and, and also just basically having uh the nightmare of taking it out of the box and seeing all those parts fall everywhere 
Uh, and so this brings up a lot of interesting points, but when we get back from the break here in a moment, uh, the three of us are going to just rumble. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to jump off the top ropes. We're going to, we're going to beat each other up in the ring here and, and debate this and see who's right. Uh, is integration the future or is it just a big pain in the butt that is overcomplicating things for, for very marginal gain for a very small population? So gentlemen, get yourselves ready after the break. We're going to debate this. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnick, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. Thanks, Ola. I'm Ian Parkinson from the Ruler Conversations podcast, and I'm here to tell you that subscribers get 10% off tickets to the best cycling show in the world, Ruler Live, which returns to London from November the 4th to the 6th, with a great selection of top brands, bikes and guests, including Anna van der Bruggen, Geraint Thomas, Raman Bardet, Marcel Kittel, Jonas Vingegaard, Fabian Cancellara, Imogen Cotter, Steve Cummings, Neb Bolting, Ian Boswell and many more. Search Ruler Live online for tickets. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekka. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people on two wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that Two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. We are back with the Ruler Tech Podcast, and we are debating integrated cockpits, pros and cons. Do we need them? Do we not need them? Are they just an overcomplication for bicycles? Peter thinks they are the bee's knees. They are a necessity, as it were. And Ian says, get that off my bike. This is ridiculous. So let's let's jump in, because I also have opinions here. <laughs> but but let's, let's uh, quickly summarize the positions. Integration happened because there is it's a frontal area of the bike, and that's where a lot of drag happens. And so integrating the cables, which are round shapes, by the way, cables and, and housing and, and hoses, all round shapes, they create a lot of drag. So getting them off the front of the bike does reduce drag. Uh, integration also stiffens up the cockpit. So for sprinters, climbers, things like that, who are really wrenching side to side, the benefit is there. Of course, on the flip side of that, for the vast majority of us, we are miserable if we are not comfortable on the bike, and integrated cockpits offer very limited adjustability. There are a few that are changing that dynamic, 
uh, and they are becoming a little bit more integ- or, excuse me, adjustable. But at the moment, and what we've seen so far in the past, there's very limited adjustability. You are stuck with one bar shape. Uh, and so if you don't like it, you're out of luck. Uh, so integration has become increasingly polarizing because of those dichotomies. You know, it's, yes, it's faster, but yes, it's also less comfortable and less adjustable. So let's jump in, gentlemen. Peter, of Ian's points that he made, what do you want to what do you want to pounce on first, <laughs> as it were? Yeah, I've got to say like the, the thing I've got to first thing is like, does it matter aerodynamics? Like, obviously not in the practical use of most people just riding around, you know, whatever local park or something. But you know, it's like if you're really into cars, does it matter that you've got a Ferrari rather than like a 23 year old BW? Like they both do the same thing. You're gonna be driving around town at 15 miles an hour most of the time, but you want to have the best thing. And the best thing is because it has the best engine, the best aerodynamics. So I feel like if you're into that and you want to have the best bike, you're going to have to actually, yeah, have the best bike that's going to require it to have this integrated front end. Otherwise it's just a, a toy for an adult, you know, it's just a random <laughs> object. You know? And none of us so, can be accused of that. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'd say, you know, if, if these engineering kind of like criteria, what you're into, then, uh, you know, that's said, you know, obviously I spend a lot of my time riding around town on a doors galaxy with panniers in the front and back and, you know, handlebar top kind of brakes and stuff. And that's fine. But also I do love a really integrated like Ribble Ultra, you know, S-Works, Venge, God rest its soul. We miss it dearly. No, but now it's <laughs> Tarmac SL7. But the, um, but yeah, I, I do love that as well. So it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like you got your kind of your, your dad car for getting the kids in the shopping around. Then you've got your kind of like, you know, your caterum or whatever for fun. Um, Caterham is a bad example, obviously. It's quite classic. But you know, you know what I mean. So yeah. that's kind of the Ian, argument I take. Ian, the young man has just thrown down the dad bike. <laughs> I, 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 I have seen Peter's Duels Galaxy, and it is it is something I, I can assure you. It's it, yeah. it's it's um it's a workhorse par excellence. Um, yeah, yeah, quite spectacular. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I get that. I get. It. I've also I would also concede what you said about the clean look. You know, I. I know nobody wants a load of cables flapping around at the front. You know, even even I will concede that it did like. If you take all that out of the mix, it's it's just a nicer a nicer thing all around. I'm happy with that bit. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just all the all the faff with the. Why do they have to put them inside the frame? Or maybe they, maybe there's something. <laughs> maybe there's something down the line because it is relatively young technology, right? So maybe there's something a few years down the line where where somebody actually comes up with something that is easily manageable and. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can, if they can sort out the rest of it then uh, maybe 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 i could come along for the ride yeah i think you're right about the new technology because i remember the um my friend of mine had a fruit fuji i think it not a transonic but the tt one and he lost the cable you know he had to have a cable guide and feed it through and he lost the cable and the frame was written off the frame was a write-off you could not use it again because once you lost the cable you couldn't get it back because it was such a thick deep section in the frame it was just lost and you were like yeah got to get a new frame so that was you know an example of your v1 type this is not working um to, to be fair i mean just to you know actually argue my own counterpoint but i think there's something about mechanics you know and like doing mechanics as a cyclist that uh is a big part of why people like cycling i think people love to you know take bar tape and redo bar tape and recable their bike and do all that stuff and i think it's therapeutic and a lot of people like it and i think 
I think when you have the internal stuff, it's a move probably towards having a bike that's more like a car where you just take it to the garage and say, do my service, you know, sort out everything that's wrong with it and I'll come back and pay you 300 quid in a week's time. Um, and that's kind of, I think, where cycling is going a little bit, which is good in one way because I think it, it probably is like a better product, but I think it does take away that joy, which is the fact that you can do everything yourself and you can just go and fix it and change it and upgrade it. And I think that's 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 a kind of broader point about what we get out of cycling, whether we want to be home mechanics or whether it needs to be something that is more like like a high performance car where you don't really get involved in any of that at all. Yeah, but there's quite there's quite a leap from spending ten minutes in the shed changing changing a, a cable yeah. and then and then being there a week later throwing <laughs> throwing things out of the shed in frustration. Mm. Oh, oh, hang on, I'll just go back inside and get the Hoover. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's important to note here, too, that, you know, when I think when uh, Trex Madone, you know, the very deep section aerodynamic one with all the integration, when that first hit the market, I think it was 2015 or 2016, uh, I remember all the articles coming out and saying, uh, you know, oh, my God, I spent four hours building this bike and it was this nightmare thing. That's not the case anymore. I mean, it is still complicated, but it's not as complicated as those early versions. So, you know, if we're talking about technology, you know, engineers are not dumb people. They know when when customers complain about something, that's going to factor into the next iteration. And I think we've seen that coming over and over again. And a good example of that is BMC's integrated cockpits which are more adjustable than they ever were before, not only up and down with things like stem spacers and and things like that, but also, you know, they have a two-piece option, which is still pretty well integrated, but you can tilt the handlebars fore and aft. And Trek did the same thing after, um, you know, after all the the hoopla about the Madone and the the integrated cockpits there, uh, they they did adjust that. So, you know, the question of, you know, is it too complicated? Yeah, it is. But will it be in the future? Well, that's up for debate. We're still we're already seeing those iterations change, right? So, in a sense, you know, and it's funny because you both sort of switched your you know, switched on yourselves. You know, you uh, Peter Peter presented his own counterpoint, and uh, and so did Ian. So that's why I think this situation is so polarizing, right? It's it's there's there's clear benefits to it, and there's clear very very clear drawbacks and and to to peter's point right about uh you know the joy of tinkering with with uh your bike that's part of the bike culture right well i was a mechanic for 14 years so the joy there is eh, for me not so joyful but you know you know for a lot of customers to ian's point which is it's complications and i don't want it in the shed um and i don't want to bring it to the mechanic well actually for the vast majority of riders who are going to buy these types of bikes they're never going to mess with them. They're always going to bring them to the shop. Um, so does the complication matter to them? Probably not. Um, and once that cockpit's set up, they're not going to mess with it. Um, I, I believe I just made mechanics blood boil everywhere. <laughs> but but that's the reality. I mean, most customers who buy these types of bikes are never going to mess with that stuff. I'd just like to say, because um, you brought up the Madone uh, V1, which I think is long enough away that people won't actually remember or will never have seen the crazy internal cable solution they had for the windbreak, which was that it had two tiny little doors on either side of the head tube that opened 
when you move the handlebar enough to allow the brake to actually kind of get exposed out the side and still effectively brake on, on the front wheel. And this was like, I think honestly Google it because if you haven't seen it, you won't believe it until you see it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite something. Yeah, like like a cuckoo clock. Like your brakes emerging every time you have to do a sharp corner. And it was, um, I mean, it was, it was sort of brilliant. It led to like a really brilliant design, but that was one of those ones where you really wondered like, yeah, what, you, you probably were stretching it for the end consumer to have that and expect people to tolerate that. But that said, there are lots of cons. So Trek, you know, anyone, Ben Coates is, I'm sorry, because I did really like the bike. And I also I do appreciate that that was all to do with CPSC limits on overall radial movement or something like that. And actually he'd argue the doors would never open, but still it is a little ridiculous, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just worth honing it made it those on. little clicking so, noises too. But, you could hear him clicking every time you turn yeah. the wires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was funny but um but yeah, sorry that was a digression so i suddenly remembered that and i felt a uh, discussion about internal cabling and early v1 mistakes that's needed to be mentioned yeah. well I, I got an example of that when uh when the ncn quebec team first started and i went to south africa to the team launch and i can't remember who the boss was at the time the team manager thomas campana i think and i'm I, if i remember rightly you you, you guys remember because i'm useless with this stuff i remember right they're on cervellos and the brake was mounted just behind the bottom bracket. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going, hey, Thomas, what, what do you think of this then? He was like, oh. My blood pressure just rose thinking about those brakes. Oh, gosh. What was even the thinking there? Is that aerodynamics or is or what? Yeah. yeah, that was, I mean, and, and again, that's that's actually going back even further because now we're talking about rim brakes, you know, and, and those have largely gone away in, in lieu of disc brakes. So we do a lot in in the name of aerodynamics. Um, and that's funny too because, the you know, what the whole idea with that was tuck it somewhere behind a larger tube so that the air goes around it you don't you don't have to worry about those aerodynamics that that type of drag um that that was a tough design so you know we do go through a lot to shave those aerodynamic uh you know eddies of air that that will slow the bike down and that's why to me integrated cockpits make a whole lot of sense because they are at the front of the bike and that's where most of your you know, your aerodynamic drag is going to come from. So to me, there is definitely a distinct advantage to it. Um, it just sort of depends on your ethos surrounding your bike. Are you going to be the guy that is in the garage tinkering? And as that guy, I can tell you, they are a nightmare. They are an absolute nightmare. But for the vast majority of people who are on the other side of that, they're just never going to mess with it. And, and they're going to take it to the mechanic when they need help. So is it is it a benefit? Absolutely. Is it a pain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it just sort of depends on where you fall on that spectrum. You, you have to factor that into the, the cost of your bike then, don't you? Absolutely. Because this isn't a half-hour job for the mechanic. This is now, right. you know, stretches into hours. Uh, right. can, I have a new set, can I have a new set of cables, please? Yeah, sure. I'll have to see you next week. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's, it's just like cars, right? They've become more complicated. And it's not just a matter of, you know... Uh, opening up the hood and, and doing this, that, and the other thing. Now it's like, I have to reset the computer and, and go into the diagnostics. So yes, these are complicated tools now. However, you know, your, your round tube metal bike still exists and you can have that. Absolutely. I've, I've got one just here. I, I have one too. <laughs> well, okay. So, so now we, we're coming up on the end of the show here. Uh, Peter's made a lot of good points. Ian's made a lot of good points. Uh, you tell us, where do you fall on the spectrum of, do we need integrated cockpits? Are they worth it to you? Or are they just a hassle that you just, you're never going to bother with? We want to hear from you. So tell us in the, in, in, 
you can you can get a hold of Ruler Magazine via social media uh, on Instagram, Twitter at Ruler Magazine. You can tweet at me at Brown Tie Dan. I am on social media, uh, Instagram and and Twitter. Ian, where where can the people find you? Uh, I'll lurk on Twitter, Ian Cleverly, all one word. All right, and Peter, what about you? Do you want people? To, to, to find you <laughs> oh always yes. I'm, I'm here to be found right. uh, Peter Stewart S-T-U-A-R-T three digit three that's me on every social media I, I had that email address when I was like 17 and just never worked out of getting rid of that as my Od- oddly traditional really for good. a guy that's arguing for yeah. integrated cockpits well gentlemen thank you for the discussion and for those of you listening please do reach out we would love to hear what you think of this topic uh, and of course if you have any uh, suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover on a future episode of the Ruler of Tech podcast I would would love to hear it. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I think we can all agree that we all won today. <laughs> we we're all right. But let's let's hear from our audience. Guys, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Peter and Ian, thank you for joining me today. And uh, we will catch you all next time on the next episode of the Ruler Tech Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.